What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Spurlock 30 to the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40 to the 30-yard line. Yeah. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that shotgun set. Three receivers left. Here's the snap, and the blitzer is picked up. Brady underneath. Caught ball, Evans. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record a 1,000 yards or more in his first seven seasons and won a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Throws up the middle. That's intercepted at the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directly. Oh, so the end down. Intercepted. Picked off at the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White. What a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Welcome, everybody, to the Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. And I'm Jeff Ryan. We're the Salty Dogs. We are. And I don't really want to talk about this game, Jeff. You don't have to. No, we do have to. Oh. It's kind of our job. Well. We kind of have to do. I mean, I'm sure there's some days when a dentist doesn't feel like looking in a bunch of people's mouths, right? But it's his job. And right. I don't feel like rehashing this last game because of the way it ended, but that's what we're here for. Got to take the good with the bad. Yep. A lot of bad. And we don't, I mean, if we were following the players and the coaches 24 hour rule, we probably wouldn't be talking about this at all. No. We would have watched it. We would have watched the tape and learned what you need to learn and then moved on to the next team. But I mean, we can't not talk about a game like that. That's one of the crazier games in, in team history. Four. Um, lead changes in the fourth quarter. Four lead changes in the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah, a uh, uh, former running back for us kicking a go-ahead field goal. Yeah, how crazy! I was happy for him. Well, I wish I could be happy, but they lost. You know. You know what they say: the more you do, the better you off are. Yeah, and I was just listening to. Of course, we're talking about Dario Gumbawale. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the wow, you just rolled that right. Well, off we used to have tongue. to say it a lot. I know. Um, it. Earlier in the game, their kicker had made one field goal. Okay. This is another easy one. Okay. Kaimi Fairbairn. Ah. He'd made one. I think it was like a 50-yarder, too. Yeah, he did, and then he hurt himself. But he got hurt. It was quad. So the first thing, well, we actually saw him on the sideline. You could see from the press box. Yeah. And so you're trying to see things like that and then relay that information down to your coaches. Right. Um. So, yeah, well, he's he's at the net kicking, but now they're looking at him. And so next thing you know, Dario Ngumbawale is out there for kickoffs. And, I mean, they were decent. Yeah. They were good enough. Got it through. Went, well, I mean, the first one was kind of hard and low, which is not what you want on a kickoff. Cause it went right to Devin Tompkins, and he actually had a really nice return. But most of us called back on a penalty yeah. because that's what happens on every kickoff but. return. And then he, because of a penalty, he actually got to kick off from the 50 at one point, or maybe twice. And the first time he did it, he kicked it, like, almost through the end zone. Yeah. So. And then, of course, they started going for two after every touchdown, which, unfortunately, there were too many of. And um, and so you're like, well, they're not going to let him try a kick. And then they get a fourth and nine or something, and they let him try a 29-yard field goal. And when he, the game was tied 30-30, and he just drills it calmly. He yeah. looks so calm. That was the part I didn't understand, is why didn't you do that? 
Why didn't you kick extra points? Yeah. Unless they just felt like they could get the two-point conversions. Yeah, well, they only got one. Technically, they only got one of four because they kneeled after the last touchdown. Because the only only thing that can happen there is you could— Bad things. Yeah, you could get a pick and return for a point, I think. Yeah, two two points. points, Whatever, they could possibly— And then you get the ball Then the game's tied. So uh, it was a smart play to kneel there. And— and they did. Mm-hmm. So, but they were one for three when they were actually trying to make it work. So that I mean, if they'd had one more and made it, then it would have been a fine strategy because they would have got four points on four, which is what they would get by kicking. So yeah. I understand there. Are, there are definitely there are people out there, football analysts, who think teams should go for two all the time because the success rate on those plays is a little over fifty percent. And the success rate of uh, kicking an extra point? Almost, you know, probably like 98, 95% now that it got moved back to 33. It sounds like a good idea as long as you're making them. You have to, and you also have to have enough touchdowns because if you go for two on the first one and don't make it, but then don't get another touchdown, you don't have another opportunity to make that point back up. Correct. So I think that's why coaches still generally uh, go for one almost every time. Now, you have seen, and, and we did this in one of our games, I think it was the Buffalo game, down. Now that now when teams are down by 14 points mm-hmm. and they score a touchdown, they usually go for two rather than the one and, and trying to get two seven-point touchdowns uh, because they're thinking if you don't make it, you still have a chance to get to the next two-point conversion. Right. But if you do make it, then you can win with your next touchdown. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, the, that's the, the thinking ga- there. The game has evolved. Yeah. Um Honestly, going out there to uh, Houston, I thought this game was going to be like a 13 to 10 game. <laughs> well, I really believe given the given the way that our offense had been playing and also how their offense yeah. has been playing. Exactly. They just lost to Carolina. That's the only game Carolina they lost like yeah. 15 13 to Carolina. Correct. That's why I was thinking if I, I figured Texans would have had 10, Bucks we would have had 13. That's <laughs> that was my theory. Uh I did say on my radio interview on your pregame show that I had a good feeling about that game. Yeah. I was so close to being right. 46 seconds away from being right. So anyway, uh, you got their kick, their running back who used to play for us kicking. You've got a pretty decent first half. It was 20, it was, it was 13, 10 maybe. And we Mm -hmm. made it 20 to 10 or, or 17, 10. And then we made it 20 to 10 on the first drive of the second half. And then from then on, simply could not third, stop them. Third quarter, uh, somewhere we got lost. They coming had, out yeah. of the tunnel. Well, on defense. Uh, well, offensively, we didn't do anything in the third in the third quarter. quarter. That's true. Well, we did get the field goal on the first drive to make it twenty to ten. First was, drive was that? I thought that was in the second quarter. It was no, 20 we to made, 10. we went into halftime right, ahead then. seventeen to ten. All right, and then on the first drive of the of the third quarter or second half, we kicked a field goal, and then we got another opportunity and kicked another field goal. Uh, that remember the 55 yarder, okay, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, our kicker Chase McLaughlin is now 15 of 17, and it's to me, it's not even like, oh wow, this is really dangerous to be doing this. Yeah, and his only two misses were blocks. Now it's hard to say. I can I can picture one of them, and it doesn't feel like it was his fault. It was just a really well timed leap, and the guy got a hand on it. I can't picture the other one. Sometimes a block would have missed anyway, and the trajectory is too low. But um, I think at least one of those was just a great play by them. Right. So he's been essentially perfect, and that includes from beyond 50. And you're getting to the point now where you're like, you're not surprised at all when Todd Bowles sends him out for a 50 a five-yard field goal. No. And I was talking to somebody else who's worked in the league for a long time, and we were remarking just how crazy it is that nowadays 50-yard field goals, even just 20 years, years ago, used to feel like miracles. Right. Remember we got Martin Gramatica? Yeah. And he hit a decent number of 50s, and we thought, this is amazing. Yeah. It, it's all changed. He. 
Remember the Carolina game in the Super Bowl year? I do. Which we won 12-9. to uh-huh. And at one point we were losing 9-6. to yep. And then he kicked like a 52-yarder or something. And then we got a fumble and he kicked like a 49-yarder. And that was all the points. You're like, this is the greatest performance ever by a kicker, you know? Yep. And now guys are – you expect kickers in the NFL now to make 52-yard field goals. They have no choice if they want to be in the NFL. I guess – well, I mean, that's what happened with Ryan Sucker, who had yeah. a great career and was still pretty reliable – 30 yards in. Yeah, yeah. 35, 40. Yeah. But the team did not have any expectation that they, he could make it from beyond 50, which is fine. It was well into his career. Sure. Super Bowl champion, great career, but he wasn't a guy they could trust to do that, so they went out and found somebody else. Yeah. And Chase McLaughlin's been awesome. The, the game's changing. That's all there is to it. But I don't know. Um, anyway, they I, Houston had six possessions in the second half. Scored every time? No, they, we did cause – remember, we got a punt after – Oh, after they scored the Dari Agumbawali field goal to make right. it 33-30, um, we got the ball back and punted. So we really needed a stop. And the defense got a stop that time. Uh, a couple negative plays. I think there was a sack by maybe Cansey or somebody. Well, and there were some big plays throughout in that fourth quarter when the going back, you know, the, the waning moments of that game. But this is how they're – this is how their second half drives went. Touchdown, 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 field goal, punt, touchdown. The, like you said, somewhere along the way, the defense just got lost. They yeah. couldn't get it back. Touchdown, 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 field, field goal, goal, punt, punt touchdown. And that final touchdown, they got the ball back with 46 seconds left. Yeah. And drove the 75 yards. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud just about completed anything he wanted. He I, was very impressive. I I have to say I was very impressed with him. I think they got themselves a quarterback. I you know he's only played eight games. Go out on but, a limb there, man. Well, he certainly is. Uh, but <laughs> I don't I don't know in Carolina if they think they got themselves a quarterback. Yeah. So it it is going on a limb. Just because you're picked in the first round doesn't necessarily. But he's, he's mean been you're good there. all year. I mean, he looks. When's yep. the last time a rookie just dropped in the league and was this good right from the get go? Long time. And uh, throws a nice ball he, too. He does. He was thirty of forty-two for four hundred and seventy yards. Yeah, the most ever by a rookie quarterback. Five touchdowns and no in, picks. Most ever in the one hundred and four history Isn't of the NFL for a rookie. Oh, guess who got offensive player of the week? CJ Stroud. There you go. I was surprised that Dari didn't get special oh, teams. Special, I, he should have. They, some other dude had a punt return touchdown, and they gave it to him. you got to give a running back. A running back a, kicks a, a field, field goal, goal. A go-ahead field goal in the fourth quarter. And, and if, decent he, if he does not make that field goal, what's the score? It would have been – it would still be 30-30, and then we would have gone up 37-30. Yep, and then it would have been a tie. They would have tied it unless they went for two. There you go. How about that? No, you could well, – they won by two, and he made a thir- fourth-quarter field goal for three points. So yeah. he was definitely instrumental – to them winning that game. He was solid. Um, he just looks so calm doing it, too. Yeah. But anyway, the defense, they, I mean. He probably was saying, I told you guys I could do this. I, I told yeah. you. Just give me a chance. Put me in, coach. I guess he's a, he's always been a huge soccer fan. Yeah, I guess. But just being a fan of something doesn't mean you can do it. <laughs> so maybe he played it, too. I don't You're know. a fan of baseball. It ain't happening. Hey, I was a pretty decent <laughs> softball player. Jerk. Just, I played. I was just. I played little league baseball. Making an example. I was the second baseman. Oh, so I wasn't good enough for shortstop. Yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> and I was a opposite field singles hitter. Yeah. Next thing is if you're in right field when you're a kid, <laughs> all right. It's not a good sign when you're playing eight 
or nine year old little league in your right field. Yeah. When they get older, but the right field started. becomes more important. Yeah, but you got to get st- you got to get your start somewhere. You're in right field and you're you're standing with your back to the to the plate. Yeah. You're counting grass blades. I I I you know uh, yeah yeah uh, Dobby was um, on Bucks Total Access on Monday, and he said that this game. You know, you're always disappointed when you lose a game, but this game they expected to win this game, and they were, and it was devastating the way it ended. And they expected going into it, or they expected when they scored the go ahead going into it. Well, don't they, they feel that way most weeks? Yeah, but I think I think in this particular one in the fourth quarter, you get there, you know, you close it. But it's two games now that you grab the lead with what less than a minute or so. The Atlanta was that the other Atlanta one? one, yeah, where um, can't hold it. No. And it's frustrating because the Bucks are on a four-game losing streak, mm-hmm. and it's at, we played the Saints. That was our one really complete game where offense, defense, special teams all did great. Blew them out twenty-six to nine. Yeah. Then go to the bye week, and we come out of the bye week and lose four in a row. But they weren't all the same in the in the losses to Detroit, Atlanta, and Buffalo. The defense was pretty good and Catch actually it. kept you in the game. Right. So you had, I mean, we lost 20 to six to Detroit, but still there was an opportunity if the offense could get going to get back into that game. The game wasn't over with and until the, near the end. Obviously right. Atlanta won the way that one ended. And then the Buffalo one, that was, you uh, had a shot. Yeah, if the last Chris play, Godwin turns around a little bit sooner. You, you might could, have won that game. You could be the uh, Houston Texans getting all excited because so you won. If you tell me going into the Houston game after the way the last three went mm-hmm. that we were going to score 37 points, no. I'd be like, well, okay, that's a win. Yeah. And then the defense, which had been keeping you in games and deserved the credit they were getting, right. has its worst day in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and just in the in the second half, it, it, was, it was hard to watch, man. Because it, it's like C.J. Stroud could do whatever he wanted. And he did. Yeah. It is, I, I, as a Buck fan, you're a little frustrated because you felt like the defense was going to be what kept you in all the games, and they did, just like you stated. But I will say this. I mean, everybody's going to have a bad day from time to time. Yes. and I. But I will say this. Before the season started, most people didn't think the Buccaneers were going to be very good. And um, you and I differ from that, from what we watched. But the the team comes out and they they beat the road win in Minnesota, beat New Orleans, uh, or rather beat Chicago, take a loss, then beat New Orleans, take a loss to Philly, which, yeah, which might be the best team in the league. Yeah, so you so you're thinking this is pretty good. Well, now it's kind of skidding on you, and everybody's like, oh, it's everybody's fault. It's this or that. You started out the year not expecting. Good right. things to happen. So, so, if you were one of these people who predicted the Bucks would win five or six games, and you didn't pay any attention, and then in week nine you said they're three and five, you'd be like, "Okay, that seems about right." Right. right. You might even think they're overachieving at that point. Now, see, I'm upset because I still think we're going. We get thought to we 10 were going to w- be better. I thought we'd get to ten wins. I you still did. do. You said that. I and I and it's not over with yet. You have. We have to win seven of nine for that. To there happen. you go. It's That's not impossible. Mathematically, I'm still in. This. Oh yeah, you yeah. will be f- until we get three more losses. And the other crazy part about all of this, yeah, because. Uh, in the Tampa Bay area, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Um, when it comes to the Buccaneers right now, everybody's feeling that way. Um, they're not. They're a game out. A game and a half. But. Yeah, but they haven't played again. They're they're a short game, right? Yeah. So we're we're one back in the loss column, right? So you can you can and you, we have a win. We're a game and a half back of New Orleans, and we have a win over New Orleans. One and one in the division. 
Yeah, we got a lot of division games yep. left to play, including two. No, in no way, shape, or form am I counting no, these as wins. No, but no, But two no. of our remaining games are against the one and seven Carolina Panthers. I'm only going to count a win after the scoreboard yeah, well, goes 0-0. Well, we learned zero. that this last week, yes, didn't we? Yes, Because at one point, I was like, oh, God. And then it was, what, third and 18? Uh, the Bucks are driving before they scored a touchdown. Third and 23. Was it third and twenty? Okay, third and twenty-three. And I'm going. Oh my gosh, this is this is gonna suck. Then, I can't believe it. And then, well, he completes like a twenty-one yard pass to Trey Palmer. Yep. And and Baker was talking earlier today, uh, and he said that Trey ran a really great route on that play. And mm-hmm. Rondé broke it down in his film session. I saw that. If you want to, people listen here. It's it's always one of the best videos we put up every week. I absolutely love it. It's a must watch for me every week. But he that was one of the plays he broke down and he showed how it happened. Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with the gravity that Mike Evans's route pulled two mm-hmm. guys um, kind of opened up the middle of the field and Palmer ran a great route and Baker put a right on him. So then it was fourth and two. And that's when Baker did the whole keep the play alive. Yeah, bounce yeah. around, And then finally was able to scramble for the first down, which is yet another exactly. play yeah. of his. That is one of the reasons why his teammates have grown to like him so much so quickly. Yeah. And with all the frustration of, 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 of everything, I still see glimmers of, Hey, you know what? This, this. Well, it, you know, if we could just get the full game, like we did in New Orleans. Yeah. If oh, the, that they have not played a full game since New Orleans. Since New Orleans, correct. Three, but the defense was doing quite well, particularly in uh, uh, not allowing points in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, if you get thirty-seven points, you think you're going to win, right? And I think most, I think almost every game here on Ford, if the Bucks get thirty-seven or more points, they're going to win. I don't see our defense doing a performance like that any, again. No. That, that was an I hope that was an anomaly because mm-hmm. it doesn't line up with previous results. I mean, yeah, I hope I, there's not an underlying cause that's going I think what's so frustrating is that if you look at, you know, there are some new pieces in there, but there are a lot of pieces of the same. But I did like what Todd Bowles said on Monday. He talks about communication, but that's kind of like a bow, you know, what you put on it to say that's what it is. But it seems that you know, everyone goes, how do you fix it? You know, what are you going to do to fix it? They know yeah. it's now it's it's now up to the players to execute the play. You just hope that you have players who can. That's it. But and and some of the I on mean, paper, as we started the season, you look like, yes, you do have them. Well, and, and I still believe we do. So and they've they've had previous results that would like. I think it's fair to say this wasn't Carlton Davis's best game. Um, I would say if you were going to have a bad day at the office, that was definitely so, a good definition. But we have also seen him have incredible games where cool. he shadows yep. a top receiver and, and shuts him down. I think the Minnesota game, he had a good... Was that, I, that sounds right. I think he did. But yeah, he, he had a deflection there for a third down that knocked so it away. He, yeah, that's right. A key, key, key one. one. Yeah, that was that was a and we huge took, play. Took over the ball yeah. and they never had the ball again. Right. And that was so a huge play. everybody's going, yay! I mean, he's been one of the league leaders in passes defense for most of his career. Um, so he also spoke to the media. I was. Today, that's what I was getting I, to. He he stood up and faced yep. the media, and when he was questioned about. You know, there's been some people out there this week who have been talking about how this is this looks like the in that game that looked like the worst secondary in the NFL. And yeah. Carlton says, "I understand. Right. If you look at what we just did, you have to understand. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but you have to be able to understand and accept the criticism. You can't say, no, you can't play terrible and right. then have somebody say you looked terrible and say, no, I wasn't. So 
I like that attitude. I like that he's facing. You know, cornerbacks have to be confident, right? You. Uh, That's probably the number one position on the field where they have to have unshakable confidence. And a short memory. So, I mean, we obviously showed what we think of Carlton and Jamel. Yep. And, of course, Jamel was out Went for out. most of that yes, game. Because of concussion. concussion. But um, by the contracts that we gave them, Zion McComb came in, and I don't actually honestly know. Coach, coach said, Coach Bull said, it was a lot of busts on yep. things that they practiced that week, and they've practiced a million times. A hundred times. Yeah. Like the, the play right before the touchdown was apparently a breakdown, and it was a play that they had practiced against, that they had anticipated and practiced against. That they were going to see. That. Multiple times, yes. and people did the things they were supposed to do. Now, sometimes a player does his assignment as he's supposed to, but the, the offensive player just beats him. That right. happens. That happens for every yep. team against every team. Yep. But – this was apparently a case of a number of times of breakdowns of what Todd usually calls busts. Mm-hmm. And he was asked after the game as a follow up, were most of those busts in the secondary? He said, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know individually Carlton, Zion, Christian Izian, Antoine, Ryan Neal, D. Delaney, who had the busts. I guess I could try to figure it out if I watched the tape, but I don't sure. really want to. I think they know. But they know. And it's. This game was particularly frustrating for them because of that, because and the coaches too, because we practiced that. No, How do you? Nothing that the Texans did was something we didn't look at and think they right. were going to do this. Right. So, and that's where it really, it's one thing when you see and go, "Wow, you know, we never saw that on tape. That came out of nowhere." Yeah, and yeah. then the, and then you know the ultimate symbol of the frustration is Levante David, who almost never gets a penalty and has won multiple sportsmanship awards, Right, takes off his helmet after that game-winning touchdown for the uh, Texans and slams it to the ground, thereby getting a penalty. I took my headsets off. Yeah, I, yeah, but you don't get penalized for that. No. And Levante almost never gets penalties, but if he's that frustrated, that, that just gives you a mental image of how frustrating that game was and this streak is. Mm-hmm. So believe me that these guys are feeling it because they think they're good. Yeah. We think they are, too. Yeah. But they think they have talent. They have the talent to win some games. And unfortunately, they didn't pull it off what they were supposed to do. And the fact that they were losing and came back and then you get. And and as a fan, you're on an emotional roller coaster that you're like, oh, this is just like darn. And then it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe what a great touchdown. Oh, geez, this is so awesome. And. The crazy part is, after we scored a touchdown, Gene goes, barring a miracle, <laughs> and and Dave goes, and two timeouts, the Bucks should win this game, and yeah. So it's kind of like the no no hitter going on. I you thought the drive started out well for us because the first two receptions we were able to keep the person who caught the ball in bounds, so they had to use those timeouts. Yeah, and that's the and that's the other frustrating part is that the one catch that they had to make had to get out of bounds or they were going to run out of time. Yeah. And he, he, did. he did on, on the fly. It was like a flag. Yeah. It was like a flag route. Yes. So that, I mean, as you, I don't want to say nitpick, but as you go back and look at it, there's just a, a play. One. We a, needed to make a, one play. That's it. On that one, drive. I think. They we, had to succeed on all of their plays, essentially. Yeah. We didn't and stop one of them. No. And no. that's the part that hurt. And that's the part now that has got everything up in an uproar, as it should. It's like, okay, what are we doing? Okay, but like you said, sometimes you get a little surprised by the level of vitriol 
because nobody thought the Bucks were going to be good. Correct. But I mean, we did. But 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 if you thought, and I think he still will do. or can be. But if you if you're going to say if something was going to falter. You figured the offense was. So right. when they weren't scoring points, you were kind of like, yeah, I kind of figured that this was going right. to happen. So, But defensively, we're still in it. We're great. Well, so the one time the offense does perform, the defense goes to sleep. Uh, well, we talked about this earlier in the year. The Every time you read a power ranking before the season, the Bucks were pretty far down there. And pretty much, or you listen to a podcast where they talked about these things, pretty much every analyst's take on it was, hey, the Bucks still have some talented players. They've got Mike Evans and Chris Goblin on offense. They have a lot of talented players on defense. They just don't have a quarterback because Correct. the assumption was that Baker Mayfield would not be good. Mm. I'm here to say Baker Mayfield's been good. I think I, I, I agree. And if you're trying to find where to lay blame for a three and five start, it's not on Baker. Nope. I think he's been pretty darn good. I'll throw a stat at you that's amazing. Okay. Amazing. And I'm, maybe we discussed this a few year, weeks ago. There's a thing called EPA which is expected points added. Right. I don't want to get too much into it because it's a complicated stat, but basically every any given play, how many how many more points would you be expected or fewer points to be expected mm-hmm. based on the results of that Has play? he improved his standings? He's uh, – let me get to the point. He's got good numbers overall. And right. a 92.5 pass rating and 10, uh, 12 and 4 TD to INT ratio, those are good things. Right? Mm-hmm. Um but EPA, it's just kind of a catch-all stat that you find on, like, Next Gen or True Media. Just know that expected points added for offensive players, positive numbers are good. The plays you are making are giving your team a chance to score more points mm-hmm. than if you didn't make those plays. When under pressure this year, which is about, for him, about 100 throws, 110 throws, he has an EPA, and this is a... a this is a stat that adds, it's cumulative, like war in baseball. It adds right. up. It adds up throughout the season. I can't off the top of my head think about remember what his overall EPA is, but on plays under pressure, his EPA right now is a positive zero point nine. Mm. Now, does that sound good to you? I happen to know it is good. It, it doesn't sound good. No. But the next highest player, Josh Allen, is negative seven point five, which is still pretty. That's good. good. Yeah. For because every quarterback in the league is worse. Most of the time, when they're pressured, than mm-hmm. when they're not pressured, it's just it's logical. He's, yeah, for whatever reason, when he gets under pressure, he is so cool. He's and, making stuff happen. Oh, man. it it's amazing. It really is. And and I he takes he takes hits, which I get scared because I go, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, right. But he does. He's He'll just, do it like yep. he had to on that fourth yep. down run, and no he was question. more than willing to do so. No question. You talk about frustrating a defense. You keep talking because I'm trying to post the injury Oh, report. okay. That, that'll do it. Uh, I do have to say that I thought the running game started to pick up a little bit. Yeah. Of course, you know, penalties got us a couple times, but I, yeah. I was happy to see that. I, I think that um, I, I was, I was kind of curious. Well, I, I don't like to question play calling, so I'm not going to. I Good. was going to going to mention something, but then that's that's not fair. That's that's not how we, as they say, that's not how we roll. But all in all, I think that um, it was it's a loss that I think if you're a Buck fan, you just kind of like just deflate your balloon, your balloon, your balloon, uh, so much because it 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 changes the dynamics of where the team is. You know, and you start thinking of Atlanta. You start thinking of now this game. 
Those two games flip the card. One of those games flips it. Now you look at the month of November, and and you're really concerned because you were hoping to get the Texans, you are hoping to get the Titans, and you were hoping to get Indianapolis because no one's giving you a chance to get against the 49ers. But I'm not so sure about that. They've been horrible lately. Very much so, very much so. But I will say the Titans were pretty much running the 49er offense. That's pretty much, or not the Titans, my bad. The Texans are running that offense because that makes sense because all of those coaches came from from there. So again, and and Todd mentioned this in our pregame show. There, it's not an unfamiliar team, but we go back to, and it kind of reminds me of when everybody would always criticize Tony Dungy, and he would say it's the execution, and again, that's where we're at. Coaches generally say that, and they're in most cases they're, they're right. right, but then they usually say we obviously have to coach it better because they're not looking, they're not looking to lay the, all the blame on a player or a couple players or the roster. So they add in there we've got to obviously got to coach it better because if there's right. if they're making busts on things they should should be knowing what to do, right. that's got to be frustrating for a coach to watch them do it right in practice and well, then not do it wrong in the game. It's anything if you're a manager of people and they're not doing what's getting done, you have to address yourself yeah. first and say what am I not? Why are they not understanding what I want them to do? So the one thing and I tried to get to it earlier. One thing that I don't understand the second guessing of was the. Oh, 10 the, second thing? The Bucks taking yeah. that timeout. So to set the scene for anybody that yeah. doesn't know or didn't remember or didn't understand it, the Bucks get a um, – Baker on second and third from the 29 completes a 15-yard pass to to Trey Palmer, who then fumbles, but the ball went right to Mike Evans. Right. So he, I think he even caught it in the air. But anyway, he recovered the fumble and ended up at the um, – around the 10-yard line. Correct. But the rule is – and they originally spotted it there. Right. But the rule is, in the last two minutes of either half, if you fumble, a teammate can recover it, but they can't advance it. Right. So it comes back to the last spot where it was. Correct. And um, that that all that whole thing came from the Holy Roller Holy right. Roller play many decades ago. But um, so there was some confusion, and um, the clock was stopped as the. A replay official reviewed it, and they figured out what the play was and where to spot it. And then they came out of it. This is the part I don't quite understand. They came out of it and said the Buccaneers have chosen to use their last time out in order to avoid a 10-second runoff on the clock. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why the Buccaneers, when it was a replay review and an official's review, why were the Bucs in danger of having a 10-second runoff? They didn't like – that's what happens when you get an injured guy. Right. Like, so there's 50 seconds left. You get a guy injured. You got a timeout left. You can use that to avoid the 10 second runoff. I, <coughs> now, I, go ahead. No, I finish your thought. So, um, Todd Bowles elects to take the timeout and keep the clock at 49 seconds. And he said, you know, we wanted, wanted we don't time. know if we're going to score on the next. They ended up yeah. scoring on the next play. Correct. And so they didn't know that, of course. They didn't know that the first play was going to work. Right. You got to try. Yeah. You can't kneel twice and then hope you can get in on two right. plays. It would have been wonderful. I, I see what the people are thinking. Like, well, if you'd let that ten seconds run off, then afterwards Houston would have wouldn't have ended up with enough time to score. I need to go back and really look at it. But I, this is me. I think there was a mistake on the clock of what it should have been. 
Well, he said 49. Mm-hmm. And the clock operator, who's usually sitting in the press box, right. put it at 39. And then he got back on his mic and kept going, no, 49 right. seconds. 49, which I think is accurate. It looks, looks right in the play-by-play. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The play that included the fumble right. started with 53 seconds on the clock. Okay. So now they're saying it only took four seconds? That doesn't seem right. That's what I'm. Is that what you're saying? That's what it I'm. Should saying. have been 39 seconds. That's what I thought. I'd like to go. You know, we can go back and look at the tape. Yeah, we'll have to. But that's what I thought because I was confused by um, when they were messing around with the with the clock clock operator. It kept telling him to change it, and I was confused because I was trying to keep track of it. But I'm, you know, I could be wrong. I don't know. But it, to me, I, I think that's something that, I mean, it doesn't matter. The game's over with now. Yeah. And, and honestly, for those who are going, well, you know, if you take those 10 seconds off, uh, they wouldn't have enough time to score and it wouldn't have happened. Well, you know, you, you, somewhere along the line, you got to make a stop. I, and so I, that 10 seconds doesn't make me think one way or the other. But I honestly don't think that it mattered which decision he made there, because if you use the timeout, then you still have 49 seconds, and if you, let's say, get tackled in bounds, you have, you have time to run up and spike it. Right. But if you don't use the timeout, it starts at 39, then you have a timeout, right. and you don't have to run up and spike it. Right. So to me, it, it works either way. And if you don't score on the first play, as you're yeah. talking about, I mean, In yeah. retrospect, hey, it would have been kind of nice if we hey, got a couple of incompletions first. I can tell you something. I never make a mistake when I look back <laughs> at something, and I can change it, just so you know. I mean, yes, that is, but you know, you start, you, you start looking at stuff like, well, if this didn't happen, if that didn't, no, end of the day, an opportunity to win that ball game. If a play was made, the Texans made every play they needed to make to win the game. And so that's, that's how it ends, but that's sports, you know, and that's, what's fun that you can get upset about and you can, you know, converse and decide what should have been, what shouldn't have been where where the team is, where the team isn't. You know, uh, four weeks into the season, you know, they wanted to crown um, uh, our offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, a, a new head coach next year. Someone's going to grab him. Now, all of a sudden, everybody wants to make changes. It, that's the part about the NFL. It's a week-to-week. You got a high and you got a low. And right now, we're hitting some lows. And the question is, can the team come together and move forward? I personally think they have. You and I both have been around locker rooms for a while and have seen um, things go south. And I'm, I don't have that feeling at all. I still feel pretty good about where the team's at. But you know what? They got their work cut out for them. There's no, there's no breaks right now. You got to start playing. So I'm watching this play here. Okay. And um, the one with the fumble. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong. It did not go directly into Mike Evans' arms. That it hit bounced. the ground. It right. hit a couple people. And Mike really made a nice play to get to the ball first. And the clock runs on that particular moment. I'm watching this here, and if you start this from the beginning, yeah, it takes. I'm watching this on next gen. Right, you can watch the dots. You can watch the extra sure. play. So, so the, it's 53 seconds with the clock stopped. Right. All right. The play took how long? I'm I'm looking to see. So 56. It starts hike one. No, it wasn't two. at 56. It starts. At 59? No. No. Uh, is it, can you see it? I'm waiting. It's counting down. Okay. It took eight pl- It took eight seconds. All right. I mean, this literally says it right here. Eight it took seconds. eight seconds. Okay, so when did the clock start? It should have been put at 45 instead of 49. Mm. They, they, 
that's only a four-second difference, and they they uh, Houston snapped their last play of the touchdown with ten seconds left. Correct. So in no way Does am that I affect saying the game. Yes. that was why the Bucks lost. So they would have snapped the ball with two seconds left. They would have snapped with six seconds. Six seconds. But it doesn't matter. You got it the whole untimed. Yep. You got the yep. whole. It, that play can take twenty seconds. Correct. So as long as you get it off before the zeros. So. I mean, I don't know. I don't know any other way to argue it than they they didn't get the exact. I think what it is is they doubled the officials on the field tried to double check the the clock operator, and so they try to keep a track of the time right. at all times, and that's why you'll frequently hear them go, "Clock operator, please put this much time yeah. left on the clock." Well, there's a guy so, on the sideline keeping time. Okay, well, somebody got it wrong down there, and it doesn't matter. It was four seconds, right. and they snapped with ten, so it doesn't matter. And I right, but I'm watching it here, yeah. and it. It says 45 seconds when this play ends. They have an actual picture of the clock. Sure. It says 45 seconds. So they got it wrong by four seconds. Yeah. And Not I, the end of the world. And I just brought it up because I, I find it interesting. Yeah, That's the only reason I'm talking about well, it. Well, when I was I was watching it and when they were doing it, I was like, that the time's not right. The time's not right. Because I'm looking at different things, um, trying to pick up the little nuances of, of what's going on, especially when we get down that close. And I like to, you know... Uh, you know, Gene's really nice about. He likes to know where the where the clocks are. He likes to t- tell yeah. you know what time, how much time is left, especially in that era. Those are the things we try to figure out um, as a group. But I, I just I just thought something wasn't right. But thanks for clarifying that. They I'm not saying it. that they like you said. I'm not saying that's why they lost the game. No, it isn't. It clearly isn't. It right. is, but they clearly did get it wrong by four seconds. Um, I actually thought at the time that they got the spot wrong. Right. Because you see Palmer lying at the 10, and then Mike covers it at about the 6. Right. But it came back. It should come back to the 10. But they were at the 14, but they're right. Yeah. That is where he he dropped the ball and hit the turf. Right. And then all of the players ended up going forward four yards, and and the ball got batted again. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, they nailed the spot. Yep. Because you can't advance that. But I just think they got four seconds wrong. We're spending too, spending more time than we need to to talk about this because it doesn't matter. No, but um, you did find it interesting. Kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit. You you pulled it up, so yeah, good. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. You can watch any play you want to here on uh, Next Gen, and you get the little video of it, and you also get the little dots moving around. Yeah, and I think that it, it's just one of those as you as you sit and talk about a game, you just kind of go with it. I was disappointed. I, I will say uh, after. Uh, the first possession, uh, the turnover was it a turnover? They they we Levante David yeah. again caused a fumble that we recovered. Yes, and, and, who, and, but we didn't score a touchdown, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. and I was disappointed in that yeah. because to me, if you were able to put a, seven points on the board really really quick, it's kind it, of demoralizing. It, yes, right? exactly. It reels you a little bit, and so the, so defensively for the Texans, they they but got we did a score a touchdown there. on the next drive. Yeah. And it was the first time all year that the Bucks scored 10 or more points in the first quarter. So yeah. technically it was a fast start. It was. And compared to what's been happening. Correct. It was a fast start and a bad finish. The yep. Bucks just had to finish and they did not. Um, Got to finish. Who, who else would you think if you said two two guys on the defense are going to combine to create a turnover? The first two guys you're going to say are Levante and Antoine. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Right. Levante. Oh, my goodness. He's playing like he's he's 33. He's yeah. playing like he's 23, man. Yeah, he's what playing, has gotten into him? Yeah. I would say he's playing better this year than last. Not that he was bad last year. No. But he looks like vintage Levante Davis. He right certainly now. has a sense of urgency. And uh, he's got 50 tackles in the last four wow. games. You know how close he is to passing Ronde for second? No. He needs seven. Really? I told him that. I told him that. that first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> I told him in the locker room last week that he was only 18 away from passing 
Ronde, which he didn't know. They never know because they're not all about stats, but they sometimes find it yeah, interesting. They do. So he'll be, be behind only Derek Brooks. I don't think anybody's ever going to catch Derek Brooks. Right. He has 2,198 career tackles. Ronde's at 1,428, and now Levante's at 1,422. Mm-hmm. So. To me, when you pass Rondé Barber on a Bucks list, that's, you're doing, that's something yeah, big. Yeah, you're doing something, something right. Something big is happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Did, you, did you know that was a scorigami? That was a what? You've never heard the phrase term scorigami? No. What Somebody is it? coined that uh, to describe any time a game ends in a score for the first time in NFL history. Ah. So it was the first 39-37 game in NFL history. Wow, we had a lot of firsts in this game. <laughs> That's the Rookie. second time we've had a scorigami, too, because I think 25-11 was Yeah, one. I think you're right. I think you're right. Against the Eagles. Both of them were losses, Yeah, unfortunately. We need to get on that other side of that sheet. Yeah, we. I'm, I'm happy with 20-17 to 17 wins that have been, you know, there's been a million games that have finished 2017. I'll yeah. take that right. over losing 39-37. to 37. Right. Yeah, I think I think it, it's kind of as many points as you score and then you still lose. It still doesn't make you feel any better. Um, no, you know, and in the fashion in which you lost this one. Well, I think that also hurt too. I, I just, I, I'm still standing up and just like going, did this really happen? I know, right? Did this really just happen? Yeah, it's definitely one of the more painful losses in because history. Forty six minutes before then, or forty nine minutes, or forty nine seconds before then, I'm thinking. We are going to have such a good week. Break this a is nice plane awesome. ride home. Yes, this is. The offense explodes. Yeah. Baker oh. comes through in the clutch. Yep, we're on a roll for the month of November. I like it. I'll tell you, for, this is the confusing part. One of the main problems that the defense, I mean, while they were playing pretty well, couldn't quite close out these games and, and allowed some points mm-hmm. is because it couldn't get off the field on third downs. I mean, mm-hmm. we went into yeah. we went into this last game with a third down defensive third down rate of like fifty point five, which is which was worse than the league, and yeah. it was is awful. I mean, I, we're used to this defense being in the thirty five to thirty eight percent range. Well, lo and behold, that problem didn't rear its ugly head. They were only three of eleven, twenty seven point three percent, but it didn't help. No. I would have, again, yep. if you tell me we score 37 points and hold and them to off. three third down conversions, <laughs> we're going to win this game by two touchdowns, I, at least. I, I guess that's what's so great about football. I guess. Is, you know, you can have all this stuff that this is what you need to do, and it changes. It just flips itself over, and you shake your head. Um, I don't know. It It is, uh, but, you know, we were talking about this at lunch. Had the Texans not won that game, they're kind of grousing kind of the same way well, we are yeah, right they, we gave so, it up at the end. We couldn't sure. finish. All right. Um, I will say, if you're looking for positives. Always. <clears throat> um, you know, we knew we had Evans and Godwin coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Who's going to flesh out this offense? We had hopes for Rashad White. Um, he's been... The running game still hasn't been great, but he did have runs of 16, 11, and 11 in that game, which is the kind of signs we need. We just weren't getting any explosive runs at all. Right. And now, we're, last two games, we've started to get some. A couple have been called back by penalties, mm-hmm. but that's that's a positive. Um, but you didn't know exactly what you are going to get out of him. You didn't really know what you are going to get. Who's going to be the third receiver here? Who's going to be the third catcher? Who's going to be four? Mm-hmm. Do you have a core of enough players, or are you re- relying only on Evans and Godwin? Mm-hmm. At this point... Kate Otten's kind of becoming a guy you can rely on, right? Right. Rashad White, since... He, Kate had a really good game. Uh, did you know he played every single snap in that game? No. Every single offensive snap. Yeah, well, I figured this That much. is... I talked to him about that this morning uh, in the open locker room because he also did that in the win against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. He played every single offensive snap. <clears throat> and I'm like, do you realize how rare that is? 
because I looked it up. You can look up on Pro Football Reference one of and Stathead. One of the things you can search by is offensive play percentage. So I searched for Tampa Bay tight ends, hundred percent. So how rare is it? Well, Cade's done it twice. If this search was accurate, and I think it was, that's half the times that a Bucks tight end has ever done that. Austin Safarian Jenkins did it once, and Luke Stocker did it once. Really? That's it. So even when you had Luke Rob Stocker Gronkowski. Play, Luke Stocker played every single kind snap. Kind of hard to believe, I, isn't it? He was more of a coach than a He was than more a of a blocker. Yeah. He, you know, he, he, he was still guy. playing last year. Yes. And now he's a coach for yes. Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. Uh, he... He was still playing for Minnesota last year, though. God, you love it. He had a nice career. Yeah. But he was never a really prolific pass catcher. And you wouldn't think if, if your tight end isn't really doing much for you in the passing game. Yeah. You wouldn't think he'd be on the field for every play. Got to have a blocker, though. Well. Got to have tight ends to block. So, Cade, I told him that. I'm like, dude, do you know how rare that is? And so I told him the same thing I just told you. He goes, well, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I'm like, I thought you would. Hey, hey Zach. I smile, guy. and he's like, Yeah, I enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. He likes being on the field every play. Well, it certainly keeps your mind in the game. And he had two touchdowns. Yeah. First two touchdown game for him. First two touchdown game for Rashad White. And as I was getting to, Rashad White has become a pretty, pretty decent yeah. weapon in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, because he he really is. I don't think I don't think he's proven yet if he's a top caliber NFL runner. Right. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Maybe maybe there's O line issues, blocking issues, and, and maybe when this all gets together we'll find out that he is. Right. But I think we can already see he's a definite weapon in the passing game because he's very good in the open field. He almost always can make one guy miss if he mm-hmm. catches the ball and has a little room to operate. And so you got so now you got Mike and Chris. But you also have Kate. Okay. Yeah. That's good. And Rashad. Okay, that's working out pretty well. He's over a hundred yards from scrimmage each of the last two games. Um, and then you got Trey Palmer, who whose uh, play share continues to rise as he as he really nails down the third receiver role. Before he's kind of mixing mm-hmm. in with Devin Tompkins and maybe a little Raheem Jarrett, but he's clearly the third receiver here. His catch volume in games is generally not very high; it'll be two, three, four. But he tends to come up with a big play here and there. Right. And as we talked about his big play already in this one. So he had three catches for fifty-one yards. If that's the fifth option in your offense, that's not bad. No. So what I'm saying is, we knew we had Mike and Chris. So we're doing silver lining things right here. We're, t- we're trying to <clears throat> well, do some positives. To, well, those were positive things in the game. You basically have, you have five weapons mm-hmm. for sure. Now, Mike, Chris, Rashad, Cade, and Trey in the passing game. That's I'm I'm pretty pleased with that. I think right. if you're a Bucks fan, you'll be like, you know, this is. And but, but you have Bucks fan and saying Mike Mike needs to get the ball more. How come Chris isn't getting the ball? Why aren't you feeding them? Okay, you know. most of the time. Now in this game, Chris only had two catches for 16 yards, mm-hmm. but that's only the second time in like the last 18 games where he hasn't had at least five catches in 50 yards. And then Mike Mike is on pace for like 1,290 yards, um, so he's gotten it enough. What what is what, the? Go ahead. Most of the times. By the end of the game, you look at the sheet, and Mike and Chris have gotten a pretty good, sometimes great, mm-hmm. like Mike a couple of games ago was at least good. You know, 60, 70 yards, six catches, 70 yards, something like that. So you knew you were going to get that, and you are getting that. But now, early in that game, who, who was making the big plays? First play of the game for the Bucks, Kate Ott. Mm-hmm. Rashad White's ripping off some nice yep. runs. Early on, Mike and Chris aren't getting the ball at all. Probably right. a lot of that had to do with the coverage. There you go. But you have other guys that are emerging as real weapons that – you can turn to, and then eventually, 
they have to take some of that coverage away from Mike and Chris, and then they start to get fast. Then you get the big play, which, which by the way, I thought Mike had a touchdown, and I'll explain why I thought that I was a touchdown. I couldn't tell. Okay, I'll explain why I think it was a touchdown. <clears throat> I don't know if he really had full control of the ball when he went down and the guy touched him. Uh-huh. I don't think he had full control of the ball. Hmm. So when the guy touches him, if you don't have control of the ball, you're not down because it's not a catch yet. After he rolls away from him, he keeps the ball and he's in the end zone. That's how I. You sure that's how the rule goes? I would think so. I mean, I thought it mattered when they first touched the ball because then a guy could catch the ball and like purposely bobble it. I don't know. It was just like maybe, but if it were, I'll tell you where he hit him. He hit him in the helmet. Yeah, it actually, it could have been Hanson's I just face. wanted him to get the touchdown because I wanted, always want him to get sure. more touchdowns. I love how he just fell back into it, too. He, yeah. Well, he had to turn around a little bit. He couldn't run in, in stride, and that's why he had to turn around and fall backwards to catch right. it. And that's why I was down at the one. We scored on the next play, I believe, or maybe two plays later. Yeah, so. we did. I have a question. Um, what's the average of a wide receiver during a game? I mean, is it like eight? Eight? I don't think there's any kind of average. There's no average, like I mean, you got different teams with different situations. Okay. Like if you're talking the Vikings, I just care is like basically. You know, I mean, Stephon Diggs, well, you know, Tyree kills averaging more than 100 yards a game. Yeah, but how many how many um, attempts does he get? How many catches does Tyree yeah. Kill have? Well, not catches, just uh, targets? targets. I mean, what would be the average? I'm just curious. I don't, I don't know if there is an average. All right, I just like you know seven or something like that. But because you're talking about different players in different yeah, roles, yeah, well, in different offenses. If, so if that's you, fair. yeah, okay. I mean, if you compared Mike, was, Mike Evans to, you know, whoever, some you know, yeah. the third receiver for the Patriots. It kind of a random thought went through my head. I probably should have kept it there. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm. Just, it was just one of those is because you know everyone talks about how many people get the ball or they're not going to get the ball. And, you know, there's only, you know, you always hear it. There's only one ball, but I get that. I was just curious if there was like, well, I think Chris and Mike do a great job. Absolutely. Of never voicing discontent. If there's a certain game like this last one for Chris, he had two catches for 16 yards. Those that, that is what you call a team. And they have always been that way. Those are always my favorite guys on the team. Me too. Guys like Cadillac Williams was like that. Mm-hmm. Mike Allstott was very much like that. Not about me. Right. Right. So, and, and these two guys, Levante David. I mean, these two guys are clearly team players. Now, I get it if, you, if you're if you real close to getting a uh, a bonus or something and a yeah. you know, guy throws you the ball. I get that. I, I, usually, I, I, fair enough. I think the team but, usually tries to help. Yeah, they it. usually get them there. So yeah. Tyreek Hill has had 97 reception, or ninety seven targets in nine games, so okay. almost 11 per game, which wow. is really high. That's very high, yes. And he already, yeah. he already has 1,076 yards wow. through nine games. Crazy. 119.6 per game. Crazy. Amazing. Did you see that play? I mean, I know it's kind of – you got me thinking about Miami, but – Welcome it, to Miami. It was that. Uh, it was the play. I think it was uh, Mike Edwards punched the ball out. Yeah, I, that was. He's cr- apparently. I didn't notice, but apparently he's been making a lot of plays. He's been making a lot of plays. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird because the whole story on Mike was in his first three years here, 
He didn't get consistent opportunities. But when he was on the field, he tended to make plays. Usually a takeaway. Often, often a turnover, yeah. interception. And then so last year, he got an opportunity to start. I'm sure he played fine. Sure. But he didn't make a bunch of no. big plays. No. And now he goes to Kansas City, and good for him. Yeah. I'm glad for him. He's making a bunch of, a bunch of plays. Their, de- their defense has been amazing. Their defense is really good. I, I, I kind of chuckled to myself. Patrick Mahomes was complaining that their offense is struggling and they're going to get it fixed. But, you know, that's kind of the when you keep winning and improving, you, you know, there's more ways to improve. But, um, yeah, I, I just uh, – yeah, I was thinking about takeaways. When was the last time we had an interception? Uh, which is which is you're, you're figuring the ball hawks are back there. This is going to happen. When's the last time we had an interception? You want well, to know that answer? Probably New Orleans. Oh God, I don't think it's been that long. Really? Okay. Well, Will Golston had one. Oh, that's right in Buffalo. Yeah, that's right. Well, which was caused by Antoine Winfield. Well, but that's an issue if a lineman has uh, more interceptions than, than your entire your, into the back. You know who yeah. else has more interceptions than our entire starting secondary? Who's that? And not counting Izian because he's not really a starter. Okay. Um. Sean Murphy Bunting. Oh. <laughs> Who we'll see this week. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play. Yeah, that's true. He's got the thumb thing. Yeah. So, but yeah. But, I mean, we really can't complain about turnovers no. in general because the Bucks are tied for third, I think, in the league at plus eight. And we have allowed the fewest points, six points we've allowed off turnovers all year. Yeah. Fewest in the NFL. I think it's like anything else. When, when you're on a skid like this, everything gets magnified. Everything. No matter what. You know, coffee doesn't taste as good on Mondays. I'm sorry, but it just didn't. You know, you get picky about everything. I don't. I also no nobody on the team cares. I know this, but I hate when you have games like that that just destroy your stats. Yeah, because I'm a stat guy. I know, and I have to make all these stat files and, and I have to talk about stats. Yeah, we, our defense in terms of yards allowed dropped from 15th to 29th in one game. And as you're doing it, you're getting madder and yeah, madder ah, as the day progresses. That on was a, a good stat, and now yeah. it's ruined. Right. I mean, we were like sixth in points allowed, I yeah. think, and now it's, yeah, no, now we're like 11th or 12th or something. It, um, one bad game, man. And you know what? That's what I hope this is. One bad game for the defense. One other thing for Mike Evans. Okay. Um, on that one big play we were just talking about, that's the play that put him over 11,000. Yes, game. yes. I think How he's about the, that? either the 49th or the 39th player. Which one is it? I actually highlighted that on the numbers that uh, uh, communication sent out on Monday. Yeah, 11,000, man. That's crazy, huh? I'm going to look up. And he's, Yeah. That's that's pretty remarkable. Was he in his twelfth year, eleventh year, eleventh year, tenth uh, tenth year? Wow, dang! Well, when you get when you get yeah, a thousand, get a thousand. More yards, yeah, every season <laughs> you get there, right? <laughs> you get there one way or another. Uh, let's According see to your math, you do. Maybe my math, you don't. But yours, yes, you he's get now, there. He's now thirty ninth. All right. I didn't know he had more yards than Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. You know who he just passed to go from forty to thirty nine? Ah. Oh. Our guy Joey Galloway. I was just about to say, I knew it was somebody that was here at one time. With 41 more yards, he'll pass Chad Johnson. Wow. He needs about 250 more to pass Deshaun Jackson. Hmm. Ahead of him is Keenan McArdle. Yeah, Keenan. Look at all these bucks. Yeah. I just, see, look at that. Oh, wow. Keenan McArdle, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, and Joey Galloway right here in a group. Yep. And they all played for the Bucks. You like it. Well, interesting. Keep going, Mike. Keep going. Well, That's... Sunday's a big game, so on to uh, on to the Titans. You know, one other statistical oddity. What's that? That I again had was updating files. Mm-hmm. That pitch around play when you throw a completion mm-hmm. and then start pitching the ball around. 
the whoever caught the original pass gets yeah. the reception and whatever yards he got. Mm-hmm. But then when you pitch it to somebody else, you lose those yards. If if that guy doesn't get doesn't get credit for a reception, he has zero receptions, but he does get receiving yards, either right. positive or negative. And so I just had to add Robert Hainsey to ah. our to our all time. Um, Robert Hainsey, our center, our, our starting center to our all, our list of all time pat receivers in in team history, and Robert Hainsey goes immediately to the very last line on the receiving chart because he has zero receptions for negative three yards. Wow! <laughs> so if you sort by receptions and then yards, he's he's dead last. He may never climb out of that he hole. May, he may forever be. The bottom line yeah. on the Buccaneers all time. I'm going to let him know about that. He'll like. <laughs> yeah, that. he didn't do anything wrong. No, no, no. He has a he has a great sense of humor. So there are, he, would, he would find that interesting. He is. So there is a there are a couple players like David Wells, who's on the team right now uh-huh. because of a fumble play earlier this year, has two catches for negative ten yards, and that's the that's the lowest if you show it by yards, negative yeah. ten. And hopefully he'll be able to climb out of that because he's a tight end, and he, if he plays, he could catch some passes. Uh, Robert Haynes, he probably won't catch any passes. Um, but there's five guys that have caught zero passes but have yardage right. in team history. Jeremy Zuda, who had yep. zero catches for one yard. Brad Johnson, mm. who famously, when I think, not with us, but with the Vikings, bat- scored a touchdown on a on pass. His o- on his own pass. Yeah, yeah. it was batted. He caught it. He caught, it yeah. caught his own But that pass. was with Minnesota, I think. Didn't that happen in the Buffalo game? This, this week? Uh, didn't Josh uh, Allen did it? He didn't score a touchdown. No, no, no. Didn't score, but caught his own pass. I don't know. Somebody did. I don't know. All right. Continue. Uh, Josh Freeman, a quarterback. Mm-hmm. No catchers for negative three yards. I wonder how that happened. I don't know. Cornell Green, a, a lineman. I remember that. None for three, and now Robert Hainsey. So I guess he's yeah. actually tied, but Green is alphabetically before Hainsey. Mm-hmm. So he's, I like this it. This is my chart. I update it every week. But, uh, yeah, you make sure you let him know in a way that it's obviously a, a oh, joke. if it's not. coming from me, it always is. <laughs> Hey, we tried a flea flicker in that game. I noticed I that. love flea flicker. It didn't work. You no. Know. It didn't work. They, they least, were all over it. But at least they tried. Yeah. It's always weird before you realize it's a flea flicker because the running back is, gets the ball and he, start, and he stops. You're like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. And then, oh, you all flea flicker. Unfortunately, they were not fooled. It was not complete. I wonder if they – well, they must have saw something, right? I mean – Well, I, to me, I, if I were a head coach or a play caller, I guess – I would try a flea flicker about once every four or five games. Yeah, just for fun? You can't do it every game because then they start scouting. You go, well, so, hey, keep an eye out for this because they do it every game. All, All right. right. Uh, it's like onside kicks. Do you want to get to fans' questions? Sure. Uh, we're not doing a – it's probably obvious by now. Yeah. We didn't bring on a guest this week, mainly because I just – I hate bringing on a player well, right after such a painful game. We uh, let's Let's be honest here. We have to uh, acquire players to do certain things uh, throughout the week. And the Salty Dogs are more sympathetic than, you know. And also, like we wouldn't have asked Carlton to be on. Yeah. But all, they, they but put he, him in front yeah, of the media. But what, we, but what we would like to do is we like to have him come in and have a little fun with yeah. us. So, um, And that's just – and it also part of it is both you and I don't want to deal with having to run downstairs and, and take care of it. So <laughs> – that's the other side of the coin. Hey, if you get a good enough show yeah. with just the two of us. Yeah. Why do you need an extra? You don't need another guy. Hey, just get in the way. That's just a bonus. Consider those bonus look weeks. At, look at We've taken this from a three-part podcast to two. You and me and our Fans, listeners. Yeah. Yes. So it's three parts. So at least we're not eliminating them yet. 
The only thing is you don't get that extra jolt of the theme song between. Well, that's true, but it makes my life simpler. (laughs) So see, there's all these pros and cons for everything. I like it. So what do we got? All right. We got about five questions. It was pretty good. They're not all questions. All right. This is from Kent Denny, who's a fan here in Tampa. He says, ugh, exclamation point. How do you spell ugh, by the way? I spell Uh, it the way this guy does. I U G H. Yeah, that's okay. So that's the norm because that's how I would spell it too. Uh-huh. It'd um, be like ugly about, without the L Y. H M M. There's no H in ugly though. No. There's no H in the word ugly. You sure? It's U G L Y. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen a movie with cheerleaders in it before? No. U G L Y. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. All righty. Um, I'm not saying that to you, Jeff. You're a magnificent. Ah, uh, yes, specimen. I'm a specimen. Yes. Um. Um, what was your question? <laughs> I haven't oh, gotten to it. Uh, oh, mm, how do you spell them? HMM. Two M's. Yes. I kind of vacillate between whether it should be one M or two. Well, M's. it depends if you go mm, or. Mm. <laughs> so you're spelling it phonetically. Yes. Is you think it's on dictionary.com? I don't know. I don't know those things. Find out. I don't know why you ask me stuff like that when you know I'm not looking at it. Every now and then you get it. Yeah. Oh. Every now and uh, then. No. Yes. The only thing they got is if you type in HM, it says it's. It's an abbreviation yeah. for hectometers. Oh, which I don't know. I don't know what that is. What is, is a hectometer? I don't know. What don't, is a hectometer? I don't know. Apparently, hectometer. We uh, apparently, we don't need one. So that's a, a that's unit of length equal to a hundred meters. Okay. Oh. Okay. So is, is hecto is a, is a prefix that means hundred? I guess. All right. Or hmm. three or three hundred twenty-eight point eight zero eight feet. Yeah. The, the whole foot inch system is what we have yeah we all learn it but only it's dumb. in america it's so dumb only in america anyway i didn't think we'd be talking about hectometers. however i will tell you this we were in the airplane and we are flying um i don't know if we were flying 150 kilometers or whatever whatever it was we were flying dave said to me how fast do you think that is and i go that's probably that's right around 100 miles an hour and he switched it and it was because it was oh, kilometers, and, okay. and he went to the imperial rather than the metric. Were we? Um, and I told him that was all my traveling uh, in other countries because we're the only ones that use the. Were we landing or something? Because planes go a lot faster than 100 miles per hour. No, it was we were somewhere. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was the headwind. The headwind oh, was 150. Whoa! And he goes the headwind. Is that a lot? Yes. And he goes. He said the headwind's like 150. He goes. Uh, how much do you think that is? It was so that was on the way to Houston? Yes. That yes. makes sense because wasn't the flight there two hours and the flight back 90 minutes? Yep. Okay. Oh, well, now, yes. I was a little confused by that for a while. Was it an hour and 15 minutes? Yeah, uh, yes. You yes. think about that when you're doing the, like when we're going to come be coming back from San Fran in a few weeks. Anytime you head east, yeah. you go faster. Right. And But I only really factor that in when you're talking about yeah. long trips like yeah. California. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about it from Houston. But yeah, so the, it was a strong headwind, and, and that was. But and I did. So it was I a converted. tailwind on the way back. Yes. So you're you're just trying to brag about your conversion skills. No, well, I just like I don't know. Today I have a lot of random thoughts, and I'm even checking myself on some know, of these thoughts. Do you know that we have been talking now for about and, three minutes, uh-huh. and it's after I read one word from Kent's email. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he had a good question. Or no, something. he hasn't yet. I haven't oh, read it yet. Well, I just feel like this is really going to be good. Ugh and hmm and headwinds yeah. and all that just How did we get ug. to ugh? He wrote ugh. That's the oh, first word. well, see, that's how he got started. And I wanted to know if you spelled it the same way he and I did. So he actually has a good opening he's, line. He sparked a conversation. There you go. But also there's a question. All right. Jeff and Scott. 
Yes. Yes, I'm writing this right after the game. In Ooh. fact, the timestamp is something like 4.37 Eastern time. I thought this was going to be our breakthrough game. I yep. Kind of yeah, did too. I did too. We started pretty well, and as the game went on, it seemed that the offense and defense were clicking, at least to halftime. Mm-hmm. I, that was me adding that. Yeah. Then came the rookie, C.J. Stroud. That's yeah, right. that's it. Kudos to Stroud for picking us apart and setting a rookie passing record. Yep. My question is, what is our record against rookie quarterbacks? Not good, and I don't have to look it up. Well, you should have because you're wrong. Really? You're, you are being uh, a fan. dissuaded by recency bias. Ah. Because what you're thinking of mm-hmm. is – Chronologically going backwards from now, C.J. Right. Stroud. Yep. Desmond Ritter in mm. week 18 last, but it's hard, hardly should count because we rested all well, the Yeah, starters. we brought everybody out. Yeah, okay. Brock Purdy, that was bad. That was bad. And then earlier in that season, Kenny Pickett for the Steelers, yeah. but he got hurt. It was really Mitch Trubisky that killed us in that Yeah, one. and I can't believe we lost on that Steeler game. That one hurt. That one did hurt. That hurt. That was when we were in that stretch of yeah. like Carolina and the losses that we couldn't believe were that, happening. That one hurt, and then follow the, that Cleveland game hurt. Yeah. yeah. I think okay. the Carolina one was the worst because that came out of nowhere. They right. had a bunch of injured players. And I thought we were just going to blow him out. Yeah, I remember. And maybe like the first or second play of the game, Mike Evans is wide open. My my counterpart in Carolina looked at me and he goes, take it easy on us, would you? Yeah. After, after the game was over with, I walk out of the booth and I look at him and I go, really? Really? And it, it wasn't like they just flukily sne- They killed no. us. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's one of my least favorite games in the last 10 years. So what you're saying, though, but is wait, it's just I have this recent bias. Because we lost all four of those games. All right. Prior to that, okay. the Buccaneers had won. One, two, three, four, five, six straight games against rookie quarterbacks. Nice. The Jets, Zach Wilson, the Bears, Justin Fields. I'm not saying these are great no. quarterbacks, by the way. The um, They're rookies. The Bears, Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. The Patriots, Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Chargers, Justin Herbert. You remember that game? Yep. Justin Herbert was amazing. Yeah. And I think it, if it wasn't his first start, it was his second. They, Something like so, that. Uh, yeah. Tyrod Taylor got the... They tried to give him a shot, and it punctured his lung or something the week before. Uh, Justin Herbert was amazing in that game, but Tom Brady was better. And then <laughs> I don't even remember how to pronounce this guy's name. In Detroit, they had all those guys hurt in that game. We killed him in 19. David Blau? Okay. <laughs> okay. So before that, we lost. Oh, and, and Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray. Right. Before that, we had lost to Daniel Jones. That game, we should have won because Matt Gay missed a field goal at the very end. We lost by one point. Uh, we lost to Lamar Jackson in 2018. No no real uh, – was that his rookie year, though? And the reason why we're bringing up rookie quarterbacks is because we're going to be facing – And well, we just did. And we just did. And, and we're going end. to again this week. Yeah, I think it's his rookie. third game. It's his third start. Mm-hmm. And maybe his third game. Right. Uh, ba- back to what I was saying – um, I won't read every single one because there's 69 of them. Sure. Uh, wow. But in recently, so we, we lost to Lamar Jackson. Uh, we beat Nick Mullins right. in San Francisco. We beat Baker Mayfield See, in overtime. I, I feel so much better now. And I, I like how you The overall that. record for Bucks in history. Yeah. Okay, the very first one was Jim Zorn. Oh, yeah. Seattle. Uh, yes. And he also ended up playing for us, I believe, one game during those replacement games okay. in 87. But we beat Jim Zorn 13-10, to 10 and that can't be true. No, we lost that one. I'm sorry. Ah. We actually lost our first six games against rookie quarterbacks, including Phil Sims. All right. And then we finally beat 76. Well, this is – oh, we played him twice. We played the Giants twice in 79, which oh, is okay. weird because we were not in their division. Uh-huh. And we did beat Phil Sims one of those two times, 31-3, right. to three, but we lost the other one. There's, a, there's 30, 69 of these games, and the Bucks are 37-32. and 32. 
that is kind of bad. Yeah. Because you probably should be expected to beat most rookie quarterbacks. So the fact that you're only a little bit over 500 is kind of bad. I think the question, though, is the team, the rookie quarterbacks on. Usually they're not very good because they've been drafted first and they're there. But if a team's got a good defense and well, San Francisco, you know, Brock Purdy, right? Brock Purdy wasn't supposed to be starting that game. No. He was Mr. Irrelevant. They they had right. two guys get hurt for him to even be in the, on the field. But he was great and yep. has been quite good ever since. Since well, he's got a couple few patches here. Three three games in a row they've lost. Oh, and they had this week off. Yes, I, was, I, I couldn't remember why I didn't know if they'd broken that streak yep. or not, but they had the, the bye week. Okay. okay. All right, so that's a, I mean, I think that's a pretty thorough answer yeah. for Kent Denny. And I think that was a really good question. He says, thanks for what you do for the organization. Still patiently patiently waiting for the merch announcement. Uh, <laughs> Stay salty. We may just make one t-shirt and send it to him. <laughs> well, he's not the only one who's asked. All right. It could become a collector's item. All right. Well, I'm working on budgets this month. All right. So this is from, this is a long one. Holy moly. This Uh-oh. is from Sam in Nashville. Oh, wow. He must be really upset. Dogs, a bit of a rant here. And again, as we've said before, oh, you're free to, if you want to send us questions, email them to salty dogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. Mm-hmm. Should have said that earlier. Well, that's fine. Don't they, forget. Don't forget the .nfl part. It's not Buccaneers.com. No. It's Buccaneers.nfl.com. Yeah. You can send us questions. You can send us observations. And as Sam is about to do, and as we've had a few Criticisms. times, you can, you can send us a rant. If, okay. you want, yeah. if you want to rant on our podcast, we will happily read it. You can, you can rant. You can send criticisms. You can blame me. You can blame Scott. Yeah, we, whatever. we read we, the one from Peg the other yeah. day where she was, Open it she up. was criti- critical of you, you. Right. for me. what for what I felt was a joke right. on my part. Because I'm mean to you, yeah, and I don't care about being here. Go ahead. A bit of a rant here, but man, that was a gut punch yesterday. Oh, yes. Obviously, this came in Yeah, on yeah. He had to think about it. Not only did we lose, but the fact that the Texans had so many players hurt, that's true. And they were held to 13 points by the they, Panthers of all teams the well, week before. Just doesn't look good. Agreed, but that's the NFL. They man. were on, like, their fifth center. Fourth. Or, oh, okay. But that's still yeah. just as bad, and it was right. his first start. Yeah. Oh, they, both their starting safeties went out within like a minute. Yeah. Uh, they lost a bunch of players in that game. Crazy. But they didn't lose C.J. Stroud, Tank, no. Tank Dell, yeah. um, Noah Brown, or Dalton Schultz. There you go. All right. Um, I typically don't like to call midseason games must-wins since there's still half a season left, but I think this week has to be considered a must-win game. A couple of notes and questions. I know you both said it was odd for the Titans, Titans to do an Oilers throwback because it because it is kind of equivalent to the Ravens becoming the Baltimore Browns for a day. However, the Tennessee Oilers were a thing in 97 and 98, so, so there is a little history there. He, I, he's right. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. They didn't change their name to the Titans when they first moved there. Oh, they yeah. actually, if he's right, and he probably is, and they played I thought in, they kept it for one year. And they played in Memphis. Yeah, right? They played in Memphis. Yes. And they were the Tennessee Oilers. Very good. Yeah, you're oh, yeah. 100% correct. How dude. did we miss that? I can't believe I forgot that. Oh, my. He's right. 97 and 98, they were called the Tennessee Oilers. How did Two we? years. I would have Once I was reminded that they did that, I would have guessed it was only one year, but it was two. And I remember, I, I, I do remember that they started playing in Memphis. Though. And, and you know. they had to build the stadium. You know who their, catcher, their coach was at the time? Jerry Glanville. Jeff Fisher. Oh, okay. So guess what their record was in 97. Jeff Fisher was the coach. That's my hint. Uh, three and no, no, dude. He was famous for his teams always going right around. They were eight and eight. Oh, with Jeff Fisher at the helm. <laughs> okay, so Jeff Fisher's first year as the Oilers coach when they yeah. were still in Houston was ninety five. 
they went seven and nine. The next year they went eight and eight. The next year they went eight and eight. The next year they went eight and eight. Then they had two 13 win seasons. Then they were back to seven and nine. Yeah, because that was uh, 2000. They went to the Super Bowl and then lost. They, they lost on that great tackle yeah. by Jones. Yeah. Game of inches. I don't remember his first name, but it was a linebacker named Jones. Yeah. Uh, good call. Who was this again? This was mm, Sam. Sam. It's Nashville. Well, Sam well, would know. Yeah. 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 All right. Sam, good. Sam well, please, yeah. hey, please accept my apologies. Yeah, we, we messed that I, up. I, I don't know how we messed that I, up. Except, except my thanks for uh, uh, correcting us on that one. I'm glad. Yes. I know this would never happen. I wonder if he was, like, yelling at That's what at, I do at podcasts. If, if he's like, are you kidding me? <sighs> There was I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and they were like, "Is that what I heard you scream?" Is that I don't remember screaming? Okay, go ahead. I remember they had something they were trying to figure out, and one guy was saying the correct answer, and every time he'd say it, I'm like, "Yes, that's right," <laughs> and then the other guy would say something else. I'm like, "No, no, the other guy was right." I don't remember what it was. Okay, See, but the good news is they have you engaged. I think that exactly. So you want people? The, a lot of podcasts call that the ghosts because obviously nobody's listening to us right now as we talk. No. Well, you, I am. <laughs> kind of. Okay. I know this would never happen because the away team never does a throwback. Mm-hmm. But could you imagine the Love You Blues and the Creamsicles on the field at the same time? Have we seen that? What? Well, yeah. I guess back in the day. Back when the Oilers were there. Yeah. That would be a great game to watch aesthetically. I agree. Yeah. All right. Because those were great. The Tennessee throwbacks were great. They were. Actually, the best aesthetic combination of uniforms is the Chargers and anybody else. That, I, I like our uniforms, but I will never honestly say that we have the best in the league because the Chargers somebody, have by so, far the best. Somebody league. tweeted that out because they were on Monday Night Football. To and they were playing the, the Jets. Jet, which yeah, I don't it, like the Jets uniforms. No, but it was like the you know best uniforms ever. I, started, I thought of you. I started laughing. But they do look If you ranked cool. all the uniform combinations in the league, they'd probably be, have like the top four. Yeah. They've got, yeah. They got like four different awesome uniforms. They do. All right. It's a California thing. Uh, number three, whether we go three and 14 and get a top three pick, mm-hmm. wash, I wash your yeah, mouth out with yeah, soap. Yeah, stop. Or go on a miraculous run and end up with a third Lombardi. I like yeah, that idea. I like that. I think go. Mike, he means Evans, mm-hmm. has proven he has lost a step and is still an elite receiver. A great wide receiver can be a QB's best friend. So no matter what happens, we need to pay Mike. And he did it. Hashtag pay. And then he wrote Mike yep. the way Mike's logo with the yep. one in the three. Yep. So hashtag pay Mike. Question. He, we are getting to a question, believe it or not. A buddy of mine, a Titans fan, unfortunately, but I can cheer him on. But I can out cheer him. So it's all good. All right. And I are coming down for the game this week. Awesome. Wow, great. Nice. We went to the Bucks Titans games in 2011 and 2019, so it's time for his first trip to Ray J. Okay. We haven't beaten the Titans since 2007. I know that to be true. Yep. So I would really love to get some bragging rights here. He and I are staying a couple days after the game, so I was curious if anything was open to the public at one buck during the week. Mm. It isn't actually. No. Um, it has to be specially approved groups. Yeah. Uh, you can't. You have to be on a guest list to get in through the gate, as a matter of fact. Right. They don't want us giving tours during the season. Right. If it was off-season, we could probably pull something off. Yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, he's not asking us to do it, No, no, no. He, he's just he's asking. I think you can get a tour of the stadium if you check on the TSA website. I think you can. can you? I think you can. Well, he's already going to be at the stadium, so. Let's yeah, but see. you didn't, don't get to see all parts of it. Well. Uh, um, 
I thought I read somewhere that it was closed to the public during the regular season. That yeah, is generally true, true, although we do have special guests and groups. But if possible, I'd love to see the Lombardis and the Moment of Victory statue. If not, you guys have any other recommendations for the Tampa area? Thanks for helping us all try to find a little silver lining right now, um, Sam in Nashville. Okay. Uh, oh, there's tons to do in the Tampa area. Sure. You want to go like, to the beach? You like outdoor stuff? Yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, my goodness, you can go to the. You shouldn't do the thing that a lot of people come here to Tampa for. What's that? I don't want to say. Oh, oh, one most things, famous. One most famous this, for. This city is well, there is for. that, though. I mean, there is that. Some I mean, it's en- legal. Yeah, some people enjoy that. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not one of them. That some, wouldn't yeah. be anything I would recommend. No. Uh, um, well, I think, you know, you could, uh, a nice stroll down the River Rock yeah, in Tampa. Uh, River Rock. River, River Walk. Walk. Uh, that also, area's, that area has been done up nicely. Yes. Also, it's a worth a drive down to downtown St. Petersburg. There's a lot going on the, down the there. Pier. No, the pier, the brand new pier. Yeah, it's brand new. Yeah. Well, it's only been open like a couple of years now. They tore the old one down. Oh, uh, wow. I never get down there. Yeah. Well, that whole place has changed. That is just totally, totally different. What else? Um, you know, a good drive down the beach looks yeah, I mean, is nice. That's just Clearwater you know, Beach is a very highly ranked beach. Yeah. But that whole that whole stretch, Indian Rocks and all that. I mean, I mean, you know, you could stop at the original Hooters on on <laughs> Highway 60 in, in Clearwater. Clearwater. Yeah. And the one the one close to the stadium is the second. Yeah, so you could get pretty close. On, without that's on Hillsborough Avenue. Um, I don't know if it's too cold, but you can you can go to John's Pass and rent. Um, Skidoos or yeah, ski, uh, yeah. snow, or snowmobiles. Yeah, snowmobiles. They sink immediately, and water, you're out like three thousand dollars. Watercrafts. You can. Yes, <laughs> that's true. You can do that. I've done um, that before. It was yeah, fun. yeah. I mean, I think. At, um, you want to give them a restaurant? You, you could. You could go down to uh, a lot of breweries in, in Tampa now. So you could cigar, cigar city. city. You, you could I go mean, to the most Yingling. famous restaurant in the area. Burns. Oh, oh burn and the and or you could uh, the historic restaurant for Cuban food, the Colombian. Yeah, uh, or the West Tampa Sandwich Shop, which sure. is close to here, yeah, where yeah. Barack Obama went. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of little things. Um, I don't know, just to jump on the internet and start things to do in Tampa and. I, well, sometimes the Tampa Bay Times, not sometimes, but they do. Uh, if you go to the Tampa Bay Times website uh, on the weekend, to get ten top things to do on the weekend. They they always have. If you something. don't want to, if you don't want to drop a couple hundred bucks on dinner at Burns, you can just go to Cyburns and have dessert, right? Yeah, well, that's worth it. It's like yeah. one of the best dessert places sure. in the area. Yeah, there's lots to do. Lots to do. Yeah. Uh, what you got? Another maybe a restaurant recommendation. No, What's I think the famous Italian can, place on uh, Donatello. Donatello's, yes. I mean, There's th- those one, are Tampa institution. What? There's another one over there. There's another famous Italian, Italian restaurant? restaurant on Dale Mabry. No, Don, Don, it's Don, Donatello's. Yeah, I thought there was another one. No. So yeah, I mean, you can go to the International Mall. You know. <laughs> well, you can go over to um, the. St. Pete side mm-hmm. um, and Pinellas County. I don't know if it's in Clearwater or St. Pete, yeah. but they have some um, relatively small, uh, they're not museums, where, like where they have well, rescued the do- dolphins and yeah. stuff like well, that. Well, in Clearwater, you have the uh, Clearwater Aquarium. Yeah. You, in downtown oh. downtown Tampa, you have the aquarium. That's a good aquarium. You also have the Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg, which is oh, really yeah. very that's cool. cool too. If you've never done that, that's Salvador very cool. Salvador Dolly. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm just, you know, I've lived, we lived here for so long, you, you 
just take all that stuff for granted. The aquarium, I like the aquarium in Tampa, but there's one that, I don't know if it's still there, but that, they made that movie about the dolphin. Yeah, that's the Clearwater one. Is that yeah. dolphin still there? It's uh, almost, yeah, it's uh, next to Island Estates. You also, it's, oh, really? Uh, it's on, uh, if you take 60 across the bridge and takes you right into Clearwater Beach, it's on the right-hand side. <laughs> all right. How about that? You could also, if you want to see dolphins in the wild, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of places that offer, offer dolphin sure. tours. And I've been on a couple of them, and they have great success. Like, yeah. Uh, and the dolphins like to play with the boats, so they yeah. they get they start swimming next to the right behind and next to the boats and jumping sure. up and in and out of the water. And they like it when you clap and cheer them on. Mm-hmm. They tell you on the boat to clap and cheer them, and you think, "Come on, that's yeah. dumb." But they get more yeah. active when you do that. <laughs> so it's, my wife loves yeah. dolphins. Okay. So we've done that a couple times. That's well worth it. You're of course you're not all that far from all the. Um, Disney parks either. Well, there's the other thing you go to I mean, Orlando. it sounds like it's two dudes. Yeah. Two grown dudes. That's probably not the number yeah. one thing they they're want probably, to do. They're probably hitting uh, uh, all the different breweries. Hitting and some breweries and clubs out. and yeah. stuff. I don't yeah. know what clubs to tell you because I don't do that no, anymore. me neither. Never did very much, nope. really. All, all right. right. Hope that's good. helpful. Um, right. Yeah, if you, ever, if you ever can make it here during the offseason um, – yeah, feel free to hit us up, and we'll we'll give you a personal tour. All right, what else? All right, Ahoy, Salty Dogs. I'm sure you're very – oh, this is from Daniel in Eastlake, Florida. Uh-huh. Dan, Dan DeMaria. I'm sure you're very salty, like myself, about three straight heartbreaking losses in a row and four straight losses overall. But there's always a positive in every negative. We're still only a game and a half back from first place with nine games to go, so anything can and will happen. Not to mention we have four division games still to go. That's, I added that part. I've been a Bucks fan since the year I was born in 1994. Thanks for making me feel old, Dan. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I was already in my third season with the team mm-hmm. when you were born. Right. And have been through many ups and down, up and down seasons. I want to give praise to our punter and kicker who have had a great season so far, doing their part in keeping us in the games. Good point, Dan. Good point. Hopefully we can get this week. We can win. Hopefully we win this week. To put a smile on my face, and so we all can be less salty at least for a week. Also, yep. Scott, congrats on your sister getting married. Yeah. Thank nice. you. That's, That's very nice. nice. And she and her husband are in Spain right now. Oh. They went to Barcelona, and no, now, I, now they're in Madrid. Oh, Barcelona's awesome. Yeah, and I, my wife and I have been talking about a Barcelona trip, yeah. and she texted me from Spain to say, if you do do that Barcelona trip, make sure you also go to Madrid because it's pretty great. Yeah, and I made a mistake. I didn't go to Madrid, and that's someplace I want to go. I want to go. I spent all the time in Barcelona, but it was I mean, just mean Barcelona fabulous. is pretty cool. Huh? Oh, it was fabulous. Yes. What's fabulous? The, the architecture? The, the, the architect, food? The architecture. Gaudi's, all his, all his different works are there. His House of Bones, the park. Um, you know, you're right on the Mediterranean, so there's great, great seafood dishes, and I'm oh, a big wow. seafood dish, you know. And I love uh, Spanish food, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. yeah, all into that, whether it's Cuban or whatever, however you want to go. I'm totally into that. Good call. Yeah, but uh, I, your sister's right. You got to do both. Barcelona and Madrid. Yep. I don't think I want to go to Spain if I'm not spending at least a week and a half, maybe two weeks. Yeah. Well, see, I want to make it worth my while. I have this horrible thing about I, I like to go, but instead of like, you know, a day in one city and then a day in another. I like to go to the uh, city for about totally a week. totally explore it. For a week. Because the first couple of days you're doing the touristy things and you're trying to figure stuff out. But then, you know, about day three, day four, you got your bearings and you go, hey, let's, let's go check this you're 100% out. You're right. And you don't have to rush so much. No. As a counter example, last time we were in London, I think you know, my Giselle and Alex flew over and uh-huh. joined me and we went to Paris for the one day that I had off. Right. So it was take the, go through the channel on Friday night, 
spend the night at a, a little hotel and then use Saturday to explore before coming back that night. Uh-huh. And we had to hustle. But I was we were walking past the Louvre, and I'm like, I would love to go in the Louvre, but there's no point unless you can spend pretty much the whole day there. Right. So going to the Louvre would have been the whole day. So I wanted, I would like to have been in Paris for longer so that we could use one day to really see the Louvre. It's, it's impressive from the outside, too. Don't get me wrong. But it, I would have loved to have gone in. We, did, we right. went into a different, uh, not quite as expensive art museum, and that was cool. Yes. We didn't need to spend as much time there. No. But... Saw some of the... So, 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 it's still, it is amazing when you see the actual famous painting. Mm-hmm. It, you're standing two feet from... Um, the Mona Lisa. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. That's probably in the Louvre, right? Yes. There's some of, who's the guy that does uh, um, impressionist with the uh, does lots of with uh, water lilies? Dolly. No, no. Um, um, uh, he, I've been to his house in France. Uh, it begins with an M. Mo, Mo, uh, Monet. Monet. Okay. So I saw an original Monet. It wasn't the most famous of those, but it was an original right. Monet. I was like, this. I can't believe I'm standing right next to this. Okay. Two more to go. Uh, this is from Jerry. Doesn't say from where. Mm-hmm. I think I should remember. Oh, What's that? I think I should remember, but I don't, because this is not his first email to us. Jerry Owens. Thanks for reading my email last week on the pod. Oh, okay. There you go. You were wondering what was going on in my life back in 1996 when I became a Bucks fan. The 11-year-old Jerry loved football and would watch it all the time with my dad. Living in Maryland, right outside of D.C., everyone was either a Redskins or Cowboys fan. The Joe Cowboys fans would all say all the time was D.C. stands for Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, because yeah. Cowboys fans are so funny. Yeah. Safe to say, uh, I didn't like those teams. I also grew up hating the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I was in St. Louis. The Cardinals were in their division. They beat us a million times in a row. Yeah. I wasn't even that big, huge of a fan of the Cardinals. I hated the Cowboys more than I liked the Cardinals. I just find it disrespectful when people say it's America's team. <laughs> no, there's a lot of other – there's 31 other teams in America. But I have a lot of family in the Dallas area, yeah. and they are yeah. all big Cowboys fans. Well, I will say this about a Cowboys fan. They're all in, you know. However, they were hurting on Sunday after the miscues on the two-yard line trying to win a game against the Eagles. But I digress. <laughs> Rub it in a little bit. Pour some salt on that wound. The defensive side of the ball – this is back to the email. Right. The defensive side of the ball was always my favorite. He's talking about the Bucks. Oh, no, yeah. he just means in general. Yeah. Love the big hits, INTs, and sacks. So if that's what you like, who did it better than the Bucks with a three-headed monster on defense? That's Sap, Brooks, and Lynch. Yeah, I, I have to pick a little nit here. I think it was four-headed, and you know those three guys are all in the Hall of Fame, but so is Rodney Barber. Barber. Yeah, I might even say at some point it became five because you're gonna put Simeon Rice. In sure, there. he was like the final piece to the puzzle. Yeah. Um, that's Sap. Warren Sap is my favorite player, and a big reason why I hopped on the pirate ship. That's a cute, yeah, clever cute. way to write that. Yeah, I like that. Sorry that was long, but my question for the week is mainly for you, Scott. So you can step out, Jeff. All right, out. What are some of the records Levante David has among active players? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's tackles. Well, you could always do oh, it. I can, I can do it easily. You could do this. You could do this. That's a good question. Tune in next week to the Salty <laughs> No, no, I can, do this. I can do this in moments. I really can. All right. Um, Since I'm out of it, I can't really say anything. Fine. So I'll, I'll tell I don't. Okay, career. 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 Yeah. Uh, what do we want? Tackles. Yeah. Lots of them. Uh, he, might, he might have the most um, forced fumbles and uh, tackles for loss among active players. I'll get to that here in a moment. Let's start mm. with total tackles, and then you can choose 
Okay. Player filter, whether they're active or not. All right. Say they are. They are. They're not. Let's, let's um, let's do uh, a, a, like a little. What do you got? Let's do a little uh, filter so we don't get every single player and say, let's say, like everybody with 700 tackles. All right. All right. Here's the results, or they are coming. The computer is thinking. Bobby Wagner leads in tackles among active players with 1608, and Lante is second. Oh. Uh, if we change to, let's go instead of tackles. Mm -hmm. Let's go tackles for loss. Where is that? I thought that was right here. There we go. Tackles for loss. And do that. Huh? It's thinking. It's thinking. Of course. Uh, well, you know, okay, here's the thing. Levante is never going to lead... Everybody in tackles for loss because, as I've mentioned before, sacks count also count as tackles for loss. So when you get a sack, you also get a tackle for ah. loss. And so the league leaders in tackles for loss are always going to be guys with a lot of sacks. So among active players, but this is still extremely impressive. Among active players, here's the top ten. Aaron Donald, 171. Calais Campbell, 168. Von Miller, 164. Cameron Jordan, 153. Levante, 152. Justin Houston, 132. Khalil Mack, 123. Chandler Jones, he's not actually active right now, right. 121. And Brandon Graham, 118. Uh, the next not pass rusher on the list is Demario Davis, the Saints linebacker at 98. Far and away the leader in tackles for loss if we take out sacks. Right. Far and away. So... And then uh, let me do one more. Uh, we'll do force fumbles because that's another thing he does a lot. Force head fumbles. Uh -huh. Get results. This one I think he's going to be number one. Mm -hmm. And? Nope. Chandler, we well, uh... okay, it depends. Chandler Jones got cut by the Raiders, and I think some bad stuff's happened in his life. But uh, some weird stuff happened. But he is not currently on a team. So depending, depending upon how you define active players, it's either Chandler Jones at 34 or Levante at 28, tied with Khalil Mack at 28. Mm. Okay. So there wow. you go. Very good. Answered the question. Wow. One more, and it's from our, our, our buddy in Brazil, and it's not really a question. Okay. The way it's written, it almost feels like he was trying to make a poem because it's like oh. line, of, but I don't think he was, and it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> poems, poems don't have to rhyme. I know. That's true. That's true. Ahoy, salty ones. Hope this finds you both well. This was not a complete game. I hope to see one Sunday. Send my congrats to Mr. Ryan and crew for the harder-than-usual job last Sunday. Thanks. Since you did, thanks for reading. So he just wrote in to say good job to you. Yeah. It wasn't easy for me either, No. everyone. <laughs> I'll tell you, these are the hardest games to write. Yes. The, the ones that you don't know. If you're losing or yep. winning by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you can pretty much knock out your whole intro before you the, got it done, huh? Before the yeah. when when the lead changes twice in the last forty six seconds, you can't do it. You can't. You yeah. ha there's no point in writing one lead because it, it it could just be a waste of time. So you have to wait for to see how it ends and then write your story. Yeah. And, and for then, me, I'm trying to get on the bus an hour after the game yeah. and get down to the press to, to the press conferences. That, I hate road games these days, especially hard. when they're that close. When they're that close and you're rushing down and, and um, any more, I get a lot of work done on the bus before we yeah, get to the airplane. Yeah, a lot of people do that. You know, the I don't photographers, know how, the videographers. Yeah, I don't know how it was done before, uh, the Internet and wireless I, cars. I think you're just doing more, Jeff. Maybe that's what it is. But, my gosh, you know, sending highlights and editing and doing a buff, buck brief and all yeah. this stuff on my laptop. And I always hate it because I only have one screen. 
I want to figure out how to have yeah. two screens. Because yeah, 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 yeah. I always work with two screens in my well, office. Well, and you get so used to it. And then when you have to go to one, you got to drop it down and then you got to pop it up. And then uh. I don't know if this would help you like when you're on the bus. But what I've started doing just the last couple of weeks is I bring my tablet with me. Oh. And I because otherwise I have to. Okay, so I've got this NFL Jesus with the stats going, yeah, play by yeah. play, but I have to leave the Word document I'm working on and go to you know go right. to that and then right. see the number, go back and put it back in. But now I've been putting my tablet next to me if there's room. And in the last few press boxes, we've had so much room. If there's room, I put the tablet right there. It makes sense. And then I, I do all the stat stuff on that and write on. Yeah. Yeah, it just you know you just get into a groove of doing stuff. But I do I do I edit audio uh, on the bus and send it to everybody who's going to use it. And so not this isn't a complaint. It's just this is just what you have to do. Um, well, you had plenty of time on this week's this week's bus. Yeah, right? but it's so much for whatever reason it doesn't feel as difficult when you're coming off a win when you're on the road. It's just the airplane no, rides. Yeah, it. it just makes things good. So. All right. It's definitely more fun to write or do whatever yeah. about uh, about wins. Just like fans, it's more fun to root for your team when they're winning. Everybody who was on the who knew Houston mm. on this trip was shocked that we flew into the international yeah. or that airport uh, instead that of hobby. Yeah. Instead of hobby because it's yeah. so much farther out, but apparently the reason is we were flying Delta and Delta doesn't have They don't have a hub there. They yeah. don't have they don't they have don't, a, what would they call it? They don't have a gate there. Yeah, they don't have the rights to yeah. the land there. Right. All righty. Anything else you got? No, I I mean, nah. Nah. Ready to go? We're ready to put this one behind us, aren't we? Yep. And anyway, you learned about hectometers and the phonetic spelling of UG and um, (laughs) and stuff like that. All right. Very good. Since you did, thanks for listening.